0: Welcome to Bold Becoming, Identity Retooled. This podcast is where we explore the landscape of the immensity of landmines that exist for people who've lost their sense of identity, who've been shaken to the core, and are relearning who they are now that a part of them is lost. It's stories of how people manage this struggle, regain their footing, and the gifts they've discovered along the way. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, Brandon. Hey, Julie. Thank you so much for coming on Bold Becoming to talk about your story. That is, well, so the sort of the catalyst that started that sort of forced you to change about your identity and what you are, what's important to you in life and things like that are you had three close family member losses in one year, your dad, your mom. And was it your sister?
1: Yes, ma'am. And it was over the course of about six years, uh, two years years. apart, each
0: one. Wow. Okay. And, and then you ended up, or you're in the process of a spiritual awakening. Is that, is that accurate or?
1: Absolutely. Um, In the, you know, there's, there's many layers to a spiritual awakening and I feel like I'm towards the end of a real, or towards the, the, the last quarter of a, of a very large one that's really made a, a huge impact and and kind of you know learning new truths uh, here at forty six years old again.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. So why don't you just tell us your story and then along the way I'll be asking like from you know sort of going deeper maybe and uh, and just to hear how it's been going because. This sounds like a very big huge transition that's happening or or plural transitions. I don't know. Let's find out.
1: Absolutely. liminal times indeed. and uh, boys, it's, it's uh, you know when when the universe or higher power just kind of pulls the, your the rug out from underneath you, you really don't know which ways up and uh, maybe I can share a little bit of my story and helps to uh, to help others out there as well. I guess really the, the easiest way to kind of track um, without going into too much detail is to kind of to give you a timeline of kind of events and what happened and a little bit of history about me. Uh, biology and horticulture degree from NC State took me out to California for five years. I didn't mm-hmm. know anything about irrigation.
0: We're in California Central then?
1: You know it was the Southeast Bay in Fremont.
0: Oh Fremont um, two, okay.
1: From 2000 to 2005. And it started off as an internship and then fell in love with landscape irrigation, promoted to a division manager out there and then a manager of about a $1.5 million irrigation division. And this was straight out of college, you know, really kind of fell into, at the time I didn't know what I wanted to do and kind of fell into it in California and just loved it. It was a really cool experience of the scientific application of water
0: Mm-hmm. Measuring the
1: square footage of turf and shrubs and figuring out how much water the landscape actually needs. Because in California, you would hear about water budgets in a completely different oh, yeah. beast than many other places uh, over here on the East Coast. It's not like that at all. It's, it's 10 minutes every station every day and just let the water run and they don't care. You don't get fined.
0: No, California. So I'm, I'm from the San Francisco Bay Area. But um, just a little, a little side thing. Did, did yeah. you see the, the um, Central Canal in, in the Central Valley of California?
1: Like when I was out there, or recently, yeah, when yes, you're out absolutely. There. Uh, yes.
0: So my, so anyway, that that's like one of the the reasons why Central California is the breadbasket of the world because of that aqueduct. And turns out that my dad's grandfather—I should get this straight before he dies. Anyway, he did the mathematical calculations to show that that was worth building that oh that, wow um, yeah thanks for aqueduct
1: <laughs> no that's a it's an important piece uh, oh, yeah, yeah so many of our um yeah fruits and vegetables for the United States come from that area and so absolutely it is a it's a lifeblood life source
0: mm-hmm. all right yeah. so y- you were out there in Fremont
1: out there in Fremont yeah and married my high school sweetheart oh and so our first year out there uh, she was in Virginia I was in California and then we moved um and then invited her out there right before we got married and showed her, we went down to Monterey, Carmel, mm-hmm. went all the hot, hot, uh, really hot places that that really fancied us at the time. Lots of places around the Bay Area, and then the Avenue of the Giants, and then the Lost Coast and Highway 1, and we just absolutely both fell in love with the place, and it was just, oh, a, yeah. just, just incredible out there, and, and our first tax year, because we're out of college, and then you weren't. But neither one of us was making much money. And then we moved out to California. She was making over $50,000 as a starting teacher. Mm. And I was close to six figures as well. And um, we, it was like a big honeymoon period. We're just out there having a great time and just living it up and learning, learning how to be with each other. And just um, it, was, it was really like a five year honeymoon, the, the period that we were out in California. Um, but, you know, kind of transition and shifting. We both had a great time, great career out there. But my father started getting sick first. And without going into too much detail, I uh, grew up in an alcoholic family, uh, but as a Jekyll Hyde, there's so much love, lots and lots of love. And so very blessed and very fortunate to have grown up in that, but also grew up in, in my dad's side of the family, there's a lot of alcohol. My mom's side of the family, there was a lot of drugs. And so growing up, you know, half the time, you know, I realize it now, but I didn't really realize who I was. I was halfway. I was like my dad in one situation, like my mom in another situation, and not really, doing things for me, uh, or figuring out what my truths are, or what my true beliefs were.
0: Wait, are you saying that, is this because a lot of kids in those families, they're they're sort of, I forget, I forget the term, but they're, they sort of lose their childhood because they have to become a, a responsible adult because their adult, their parents aren't responsible, adultified, parentified yeah. children, I think is what it's called.
1: Absolutely, I was also very fortunate in that situation, though too, Julie. To um, I feel like I was raised by wise women, uh, my grandfather, my grandmothers are on both sides of the family. I spent a lot of time with them, um, so they raised me a lot, and I feel that's where I'm uh, just blessed to have a lot of the feminine qualities of just love and forgiveness and gratitude. That I don't think I would have had if I didn't have those strong lady, powerful ladies in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Um, that, that's where a lot of the love came in too. Where my mom was probably more of a friend and an absentee, still like the party. You know, child of the '60s and enjoyed having a good time, and she enjoyed having a good time. <laughs> and dad was more of a powerful businessman. He was a multi—he uh, was managers for cable. He started Cablevision Industries in Danville, Virginia, and then he was—they um, sold it to a couple different companies. So he was managers in several different states. Um, so he was kind of absentee, essentially, in my you know, 10, 12, 14, 16, but when he came home, lots of love, but, you know, after about five or six o'clock, it was just a different, a different being, and then, Mm -hmm. you know, the, you know, it wasn't so physical, it was more verbal of, uh, you know, why, and just, like, the really cool thing about it, though, Julia, out of the, the horrible, you know, bad experiences, I don't, you know, they don't define me, uh, necessarily, but what my dad did do was instill a very strong mind, that I was in control, and he gave me my power back personally. Even though there was a lot of shit and messy of life, but he really gave me a strong mind that I'm extremely thankful for. And I think that's what has really, underneath all it all, as I've been healing, has really helped me through a lot of it all. Was, you know, the you know, there's the good and the bad, and when you open up your heart, you kind of let both in sometimes, and so that that happened a lot there with uh, with both families actually. So,
0: so your dad believed in you.
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So
0: even though he might have been abusive, you didn't use that word, but
1: it was a stiff foot up your ass and just really tough guidance left and right. And then sometimes you get home, you just don't know what you're going to get. You, you know. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, that's that's drugs and alcohol make it unpredictable.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. So, um, in about the year 2005, um, my dad started getting sick. Um, his drug of choice was alcohol and so john just started settling in you know, ye- yelling yellowing skin losing weight and just the imminence of and he wasn't going to change um mm-hmm. he was still drinking first thing in the morning sometimes to, without this it wasn't so then there's a detox process and just a lot of craziness that went on before um that was around 2005 2006 we kind of caught wind the hey you know dad's sick and you know what are we going to do and and we were happy in California in 2005, like five years later, but the, um, I guess it was the whole how far our money could go and what we could get, you know, buying. We, we didn't <laughs> buy in, and we're so glad that we didn't buy in because so many of our friends were underwater in California. But it was just, uh, we, we just didn't feel aligned with some of our... I guess it's just family and then having land and space and greenery just really we missed the green we, we missed the green trees in the four seasons and and family was getting sick so we decided to we took six months really and kind of hiked and camped and drove back went up to Oregon Seattle Washington BC spent a lot of time in Montana Glacier National Park and Yellowstone and just really took a, a wonderful six months hiking and camping back a lot of time in Colorado and we feel like we wouldn't have that opportunity to do it again as we make our way back to the East Coast.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then we were decided between, so we moved back and we were decided between either Raleigh or Asheville, North Carolina. I knew Raleigh would have, uh, we had a lot of our friends from being from NC State there. And financially, we figured it would be a, a better head start. And We didn't know anybody in Asheville and we loved everything that Asheville had to offer as far as the mountains, the music, the just the people and just a different kind of a welcoming atmosphere that was it was more laid back than some of the larger cities that we we're used to so we moved to Asheville in 2008 no I'm sorry 2005 I started my irrigation company in 2008 and that's oh, so
0: nice. there's kind
1: of, so there's like a three-year window there just trying to figure myself out what I'm going to do it's like okay I've got this skill that I've learned in California I'm going to start a business and It was, you know, we started the business in 2008, and from 2008 to 2010, most businesses were having a hard time. It was uh, the economy was really, really bad. But irrigation was not much of a thought concept or a or a philosophy here in the Asheville area. There's only one other company doing it at the time, and so it was uh, it was really easy to get started and start. I had one client, and then five clients, and I met basically I made friends with a lot of the local landscapers and they would in turn I would uh, basically they would give me all the irrigation work and I would give them all the work and um, so it just fit basically it wasn't a market for it so I formed strategic relationships who had touch points with irrigation and we came really big really quick over the next two to three years we're picking up counts left and right and you know, for a Leo fire dragon with the ego and not really knowing the, the lay of the land of a personal experience in business. It's like, wow, this is great. And just, um, so we started growing double digits. We became the number one service provider for the Biltmore State for two years. And, you know, all these big feathers in the hat. guess, let me pull back. I was excited about the start of Asheville irrigation there. We started Asheville irrigation in 2008. I lost my dad in 2010 in march of 2010 and we had our first son or our only son in july of 2010
0: so you Pretty lost your dad in march and you had your son in july a few months yep. later
1: yep um there was a lot of spiritual significance around there kind of looking back to and just it's it's funny you know it chop wood carry water right you know as all these magical things are happening in a spiritual awakening and along your path it's you know breadcrumbs synchronicities and all the the connections and things it's it's, it's just really wild how our own spirit speaks to us and guides us along our way and, okay
0: uh, time out
1: yes yes
0: so you just you just gave us the ending so what were these breadcrumbs and where what when how did this spiritual mm. awakening start
1: Well, let me back up just a little bit in 2000. So that was all in 2007. Had our our first daughter was born in 2007. So I don't want to leave her out of the story. uh, But definitely. So moral of the story, had very young kids starting a family, starting a business. And kind of my main compadre in life, my dad at that time was was getting sick and 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 we, you know, his death was imminent, and then he did die in 2010, and that just threw me just mentally for uh, just grief, loss, and which kind of spurred into depression. Two years after that, my mom died
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: to pain pills and alcohol.
0: Oh God.
1: And uh, and so that this work that well, we'll get there later, the work that I'm getting into is very personal to me these days. So my mom died, pain pills and alcohol. And that kind of threw me for a different loop. It was funny, each when my dad when I got the call from my dad that he was, you know, he was gonna die. And I got the call from my mom I was, that I was gonna die. I was at the same house on, a same, in, on the same mountain, two years apart. The same guy's house that I go to and we're, we're doing irrigation service there. I have the phone call and I'm talking to, to Ed and I'm, I'm telling the news and everything. And literally two years later, Julie... Same place, same house, same type of call, but now it's my mom. I'm like, what are the freaking odds of that? You know, just little things like that all the time. And, but, you know, synchronicities. And then so, two years after that. And so, I'm, I'm leaving a lot out. There's a lot of grief and a lot of, so I, you know, a successful business, money wasn't an issue. I had a team to kind of take care of things. I was going through a mental, just kind of a breakdown. So, uh, that's
0: what I want to hear about. Yeah,
1: I was the- drinking more the mental alcohol.
0: So, so when you're, so hold on, sorry. So when your dad, so what I'm interested in, in in like this show is, is these transitions. Mm -hmm. And so you mentioned your dad was your compadre and then he died. So tell me what your relationship was and how, how he impacted who you became, who you were at the time and then losing him what did that do to who you were? Mm-hmm. Because you don't have the same role anymore. Because now they're like, so that's what identity loss is: is that you 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 lose out on a a social role that you've been playing, an important social role. So now you're like your your dad is gone, and so you don't have the same relationship, and so how did that affect you.
1: Yeah, I guess. I guess from an energy and confidence point of view, I was, I was challenged by not grieving properly. And then, so I was holding up this facade that everything was okay. And I was like losing myself in the business to keep myself busy so I could avoid the pain.
0: So you were, you were using, you were numbing yourself from the pain by immersing yourself in the business.
1: Yes. And then when it got late what, at night after the business, probably immersing myself in in a couple extra drinks. And then sometimes, uh, you know, maybe a, a Valium or a Xanax or something just to kind of turn off the light switch of all the shit that was going on from a, a personal level and from a service business of just the hundreds of people calling sometimes a day, like wanting the attention. So and, what's
0: the, wait, what's the personal level stuff that you were trying to avoid?
1: really the just a loss it was just extreme deep loss and what was lost was like a strength of of character like a rock like if I ever had something to talk about or to go to I would call my dad it was it it, it's, it's hard to describe in words it's it's just his presence his energy alone was strong enough to keep you on the proverbial horse And when just that energy, not so much a specific person, I mean, yes, he was there in physical, but what he represented as a spiritual force, that was what was so uplifting, Julie.
0: So describe that spiritual force, please. This is very interesting.
1: It was, it was strength. Um, You can, I mean, it was just all positive psychology, Um, just like you can do anything you put your mind to keep it simple, stupid to, I mean, just to simplify things down. And then whatever. my dad was a people person, like anything I'm I watched because he would have people come out to the house and literally they would come in the door depth of despair, either divorce or people dying or just, I mean, they were just in in, in the pits and I would see them come through the door. They would sit at the bar of my dad. They would have a couple drinks and they would skip out the door. They were like in cloud nine. They would come in one state and they would leave a completely different other state. And I didn't realize at the time, Julie, but I was learning there. I was learning like, oh my gosh. I mean, that was he was he was changing lives in in, in a really deep way and just really quick and and not for charging money in a coaching way or just but hey, come on over, let's talk about it. And through a, a conversation, he would completely turn their whole life around. And, and that, um, so it was, it was that, it was that force, that energy that was just present with him. You know, when I was growing up, I really didn't think that, you know, because everything he talked about was like important stuff. He wasn't a sports guy. He didn't like sports. We grew up hunting and fishing. We, We did a lot of hunting and fishing together. But he, um, it was all important stuff. Like, how are you, son? Like, how are you really? What's showing up in your world? Like, what's going on? And it was just always about not, that.
0: not, not surface level.
1: No, he, he, no time for surface. <laughs> always the deep. Dad would so, take me to the deep end every time.
0: So this, thank you so much for describing that because now I can see uh-huh. how when he was gone, because he gave what he was giving to those other people is also what what he gave to you, and so mm-hmm. then now that he was gone that was what you lost you know because everybody has
1: for extracting that thank you
0: Yeah, that was yeah because nice. yeah, everybody has different relationships with people and you know you can you can call and get you know talk to somebody and feel better or you can call and talk to somebody and be changed mm-hmm. and your your dad had this super capacity it sounds like so I can see how losing him, I mean, losing anybody's a big deal. And I just really wanted to understand how it impacted you. And now I get it much yeah. more. And
1: I, th- I think really the real mind, you know, the mind flip there, Julie, was to have that kind of power and love and to see and witness that. But then, you know, when the person left and there was another drink and another drink, and it was just like, the energies what I what I don't think my dad and his inner child what he didn't pick up at the times sometimes he would absorb other people's energies right oh, and yeah. then he would have to have a release and then it was a safe place at the house especially with alcohol so we were the release of other people's energies many times I'm sure.
0: <laughs> Interesting. That yeah. is so true because you know I was a social worker and and sometimes I worked in crisis stuff like sexual assault response team in the emergency room and, you know, some really horrible stuff. And, and, and we do, you know, when you absorb other people's stories, when you witness and absorb them, then it's, you do need some sort of outlet for it. And unfortunately, they didn't give us any kind of debriefing. So we had to do it all on our own. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> and so your dad was just a, you know, he was a makeshift healer in the sense that people came and they they got what they needed from him. And then he, but it, it's not like it didn't have an impact on, on a person who helped. Helping people, it, it takes a toll on the helper. Let's just put it that way.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And one thing kind of that's probably important to the story too is my dad retired at 41. Oh. And I think that was one of the worst decisions he ever made. Um, because he was so engaged with people. And that's what really lifted him up. So when he, you know, he he retired early to be with with me, really, um, because some other things have happened. And the, um, but what he wasn't accounting on was, you know, detaching himself from society is what really filled him up. And what's a big lesson for me uh, in my transition from, you know, company to coaching to do these other things to realize that I don't ever want to retire I I, I don't it's it's very I was able to see very firsthand how pulling yourself out of the the system or the matrix to however you want to put it um really you know there's positives and negatives and it was very negative with the habits that he had uh that were not really sustaining him during his uh during his retirement so that's kind of that's a big lesson throughout all this as well
0: yeah well even if even people who retire late and especially men because they don't have generally such a big social support network as women generally do you know they they a lot a lot of men die very quickly after retirement whatever age i've heard that because they don't have the purpose that that a person needs to have in life
1: yeah yep learning that yeah you're learning those challenges, indeed.
0: So you, so you were managing your immense grief over the loss of your relationship with your dad. I mean, you didn't lose the whole relationship because it's still in you, but you didn't have the same kind of access. You know, he's not there to to get.
1: absolutely and and the choices that I was making at that time um drinking more smoking more pot and and taking pills to kind of escape things at night sometimes just to just to turn everything off and to really get a decent night's sleep sometimes and thinking that that was was rescuing me and helping me and getting through but as I look back now how how much damage that I really did and and time was wasted by just numbing out and, you know, I can look at it in one part and say it, it was the healing time that I needed. And now, you know, I've made the trans a, a big transition in my work to psychedelics. And there was a big part of me that felt like I was doing drugs my whole life, you know, for the past 30 years. But until I learned that they were the medicine that my soul understood from a lot of the stuff that I was going through. And that was a big, that was a mental shift, a big, big shift that happened. Uh,
0: okay, so hold on, you're you're going on to some something very very different
1: yep we, we can go um we
0: can so, cover that
1: t- towards the end there but part of my healing um you know well, i guess that is a little little bit later so please
0: okay. so one of the things about unexpected identity loss when the rug's pulled out from under you and and you've lost some important thing that changes who you are and so you you were sort of sidestepping your grieving through numbing out because it was your healing time, but you weren't all there, which is which is like completely common. And and so, so how did you manage that? Like now you're telling me that you're you're saying that you did a lot. It did a lot of damage. But so then, at what point did you realize and do something differently?
1: Well, let's let's go through a couple more years here. was a year but you know pretty much between 2010 and 2016 julie it was the years of probably more booze more pot more pills more in the business not so much in my family basically like 12 to 14 i was i was in the business to kind of to keep me busy to keep me busy then what that leads to because essentially i lost my dad in 2010 mom 12 my sister in 2014 Hmm. I have about a five-year grief cycle. It takes me about five years to really kind of shake through mm-hmm. and move through some stuff. And
0: But hold on. So, so grief cycles, the thing is, is that we might have an incident that causes us to grieve but we're when we grieve, we're not only grieving that one incident. We're grieving other stuff that it just it brings up other stuff, right?
1: Amen, sister. From the from every time our uh, we lose a dog or lose a cat, it, it it brings it all up. Oh my goodness, absolutely. Right,
0: and then to have three family members.
1: Two years apart, concentric circles. I didn't realize the depth and how screwed up, how much trauma it was. It really was. It was pretty. It was messy and it was nasty and it was dirty. And the dark night of the soul pretty much happened in 2017. Um, So my sister, you know, 14 and still. um, So my sister died in 2014. It was 2015, the year after that, that I just got burned out of Asheville Irrigation, and I would not wish burnout on anybody else because I didn't. Obtain the skills to rise up and I rose up, I rose up to the level of my complacency basically and I didn't develop the skills necessary to take the business where, you know, where I thought at the time it wanted to go. It was more about the numbers and growth and being a big bad company, you know, before, um, you know, running everything through the mind, through the heart with my individuals, but this ego just had this drive to, to do more, to, to, to push, and, to, you know, the whole masculine thing is, there's another thing, with, <clears throat> um, very masculine-oriented, living with my dad, and dad being such a strong rock, what I'm learning now, Julie, is a lot of the fundamental feminine mothering uh, rules and foundation was never passed on, and so that's why, that's where I cracked, you know, so the, doing this masculine drive, be better, succeed, keep, getting bigger, acquiring more accounts, doing these things, you know, it's just driven by that. Well, and,
0: and that's what society pushes us to do. I don't know if it's masculine. I mean, that's, that's like, that's what they say is success.
1: It, what I'm learning is very patriarchal in nature versus the you know, coming from the mind versus the loving general nurturing side of us. Um, is where I was coming from, which you can do both in business. And that's what I've really learned is, is the balance. Mm-hmm. And you know, we need both. And yeah, that was a big eye-opening experience um, to learn learning and, and and still a work in progress of learning to balance our masculine and feminine. But it was it was so much masculine that I had to crack. And I'm very empathic and energetic anyway. I'm very sensitive energetically. And and empath by nature can look at people and really just almost a picture or just a you know a brief second and and feel exactly pick up everything that they're going through sometimes if I don't block and it. It's really and I'm learning you know as I'm clearing up my thoughts and body and energy, a lot of these dormant powers like that are really becoming active and scary and it's wild and it's cool <laughs> all at the same time.
0: Wait, that you are discovering these qualities about yourself? Yes. Yes. Of being it, it, able it, to sense things?
1: Oh, my goodness. Uh, <laughs> yes, ma'am. Uh, that would be an understatement. I, you want know, to come from, and I'm still learning myself, and it's just, and I want to come at this through a, a very humble nature, but sometimes it's so just mind-boggling. It's like, oh, my God, do you, do we can really do this? you know? And a lot of the, um, talk a little bit about basically, you know, being a biology major, you know, learning through the teachings now of Joe Dispenza, Bruce Lipton, of how our thoughts really can can construct our reality, and you know, if our thoughts and can can get us in a negative state, um, our thoughts can also heal us and get us into a positive state. And so, just learning a lot of uh, that now. But the catalyst was actually what's called a bald Reset Therapy. It was B A U D. It's actually headphones that you put on and you can dial in a frequency and you bring up these emotions uh, mm-hmm. while it sounds like a swarm of bees. And while you're under the influence of here, it's um, it's, re- it's resetting your brain. So the next time you have those thoughts, it doesn't affect you as bad. You, your body knows that it's in a safe place. And um, so, bringing so this, up a this lot is,
0: of- this is something you were doing on your own. Yes. the th- therapeutic.
1: I, yes, ma'am. I went to an energy healer and had three sessions with her and we're talking just it it was was incredible um and so i bought the device myself and it's a i use it as a a really cool well not it's an effective healing tool you basically can help cure ptsd like like 20-year army vets ptsd in four 20-minute sessions julie just through sound no drugs. And so part of my mission is to help people heal naturally and help people use the mind to heal the body, in addition to coaching and a bunch of other things. But just learning those types of practices, you know, starting with meditation, journaling, getting in touch with myself, and it was through this sound therapy, and then crystals. It was a piece of rose quartz that really kicked it all off. It was a rose quartz tower, about three inches tall, and it was a certain color when I bought it at the store you know just learning about crystals and unconditional love like oh this is a good i'm going through grief i mean, what better stone to start with rose let sh- quartz let
0: me show you my rose quartz
1: oh love it it was yeah it was about that big, a little snare but that was the one absolutely that was the very first piece of
0: self-love
1: yeah unconditional self-love no matter what i mean that is that's where it's at these days and so
0: what prompted you to do all this healing you, so did a, you it's, did, did you hit some rock bottom place or you said the dark night of the soul was in 2017 so what was what happened there
1: you know i think it was just an apex we we purchased a property on fontana lake it was about a half acre and that's where i did most of my healing the uh, first half of my healing was getting my party in, out of my system i guess and just getting getting effed up you know drinking and having fun out there and just like getting shit out of my system away from everybody and just being a safe place yeah a safe place Mm -hmm. and then the second half of that um second half being like the last five years kind of turning it around into i stopped drinking i stopped smoking and just did psychedelics exclusively primarily just microdosing you know every couple of weeks you know and then taking big breaks in between and just being in nature and just learning and coming up with my new truths uh, what what was, what was true to me. Um, Okay,
0: but wait, still, what, what prompted you to start this healing process? You know, I, I
1: I really think, Julie, that it was the, the strength that my dad gave me in my mind, and I was not happy with what I was, who I was becoming. I didn't like the relationship I had with my kids. I was, I was just selfish. I was spending time with, almost too much time with me, and I just felt very selfish.
0: You were spending, tons of time with your work being successful at work still mm-hmm. and it was and you were just and then you were doing your partying
1: yep and then from there um there's a lot of times up at the um you know there was oh, hold one, on what was that one night there was this one night julie okay go for it there's this one night i don't know i don't know if i had too much to drink or something but i really felt like i died up at the lake and i don't know how how I got saved or what happened but I woke up the next morning and I said I am done no more drinking no more smoking I don't know what the hell happened that night I really don't it was just a big shift that happened that night and I
0: don't know so it wasn't intentional it just happened or at least it wasn't consciously intentional correct you were just you were just having your life Yep. and then one day you feel like being different
1: but it was the it was the culmination of the three years of loss all the shit I couldn't I, with my with the, I had to lose my mind Julie basically to find myself again I could with the way that everything was coming at me I couldn't I had to like shed all that old skin and become a completely new person I didn't like who I was becoming I just couldn't handle the weight of the world I couldn't even write a fucking check I mean I was so just scattered scattered and I didn't like being scattered anymore. I wanted, I wanted to be free in my own mind, and I started learning. It was Carl Jung that really put my life back in perspective at a time that my dad wasn't there to do so, and I think it was Reflections, and a couple, I can't remember the other names of the books, but like, whoa, this is what I've been missing. This is, seems more real than even the stuff my dad was talking about it's like that or maybe this is where my dad got a lot of his fundamental stuff and it was just so I just started on a search kind of like Cain walking the earth through books and going to different places and just asking people what do they know about crystals and what have you and being Asheville being such a huge spiritual community I think not I think I know Julie that Asheville found us and it's becoming more of a we, we love it more and more every day and because of the spiritual community here that's very grounding balancing wholeness. I mean, that's just what's what your community is. That's what we, we kind of focus on is being grounded, balanced and whole. And that was a lifestyle I had nothing. I, I knew nothing about growing up in a very black and white Southern town in Virginia.
0: So describe being balanced and
1: whole. Ooh, balance to me is knowing what all of our different life arenas are. That's important to us, our family, our self, our personal health, our finances, or whatever the different things that are important to us that we track, to, to know what they are, to know what the win is in any current situation in those life arenas are, and to have a place on your calendar. For me, it's color coded ADD brain. I have to have a, a very structured system around me. To give each one of those life arenas, each color a week or minimally a month, a certain specific amount of time so that they're getting time on my dashboard of of time. Because many times I get so incredibly focused at one thing that then the family will start drifting too much time at work. And so balance to me is knowing what all the wins are in each one of your life arenas. And having a system and a process to get equal or the time that's allotted needed for each one of those life arenas.
0: So sort of like time blocking for those arenas so that you can completely engage in what you're doing, knowing that you're going to pick up and have time for the other stuff.
1: Absolutely. I've learned through getting things done with David Allen that we're only happy not doing when we know what we're not doing. So if we have a system of that we know is captured that we're that we're that we're using on a consistent basis, it lets the site it calms the psyche down. So we're not in such a hurry or a rush to do these things because we know we have a place on the calendar to get it taken care of.
0: Right. Yeah. We're not and so we're not trying to multitask or we're not worrying about, well, when I'm, you know, I'm not getting this done because I'm doing this, because everything's sort of place for everything and everything in its place. You know, yes. that for physically stuff, but now for your time. And what you value in life.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, because inevitably, you know, during a lot of the, the, the trials and tribulations, when you're at work, you're, you're daydreaming about home and wanting to be with the family. And when you're at the family, after about 10 or 15 minutes, the energy is like, oh my God, I just want to be at work. And just, and so having a place for everything, you're exactly right. Um, it, it really helps to get the mind, body, and spirit on board that you don't have to rush. And that was a big thing for me growing up and part of my trauma too. I remember my dad always saying, it's just like, slow down son, just slow down. I was just like, just geared a little bit faster than normal and he could see where my dysregulated nervous system played into my ADHD. And now um, that's given me a lot to work with these days as well, just knowing our nervous system regulation and breath work, how it relates to that. We we can heal so much. Mm -hmm. I digress.
0: (laughs) Well, that's, that's fine so so you you woke up and you were <clears throat> starting to be a new person yep and and then you d- 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 you like went out and explored new things for for healing
1: well i tell you a big part of uh, my life that hasn't been brought into the picture is my fish community since 1994 my wife and I've been listening to the band Fish and following them all over the country in Mexico and basically everywhere they go. I'm up to about 187 shows. You know, we had kids, and so my wife's about 30 shows shy of that. Um, he had to take one for the team there um, while we we're raising kids, and so it was really during that 2015, like started the burnout. Uh, 2015, 16, 17, 18, we just had a blowout on Fish. Uh, my wife and I, we, we'd go to Seattle. Colorado, Las Vegas, Mexico, and that was one of our biggest years in 2016' just doing all those shows. and so there was a uh, a lot of psychedelics used, but there was also a lot of music and community and I attribute a lot of my musical association affinity to fish in the community and those times getting together throughout the court of the past thirty years as the most healing, if not the saving grace of community and spirit and uplifting again, having that community to fall back on just Mm -hmm. in, even if it's not individuals, your, your main people in that community that you always see at different shows, but more than anything, just that different world of, of love, peace and happiness that my soul was really attracted to that. I wasn't finding in general, everyday life that, that was a big one.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: That was a big one. And so many of those experiences were the catalyst through all this change and help alchemize a lot of the grief, the depression, the ADD, the, the sense of loss and the lack of identity. It was, it was those experiences going to multiple shows a year and finding community and happiness and other ways of just being in the moment. Mm
0: -hmm. It taught
1: me to truly, to be in the moment where there's not worry and life gets to be easy and it can be a playground and taking those experiences I mean that's the one thing you want to do is to bottle up official experience and just share it with the world because it's almost um, you're very familiar with you know Brendan Burchard's work and and it, you know those events although they can be very taxing sometimes they're the, one of the most awesome things about it is like they're all there for the same reason of helping to be, you know, to support and be supported. And you just don't find that in general community in um, mm-hmm. a lot of times, or at least I didn't. And so finding that in my fish community, I really saw a very similar parallel in Brendan's community uh, as far as helping and being present and uplifting and supporting. So that was very attractive. And that's kind of what you know, self-help, um, Seer student of success since the early ten, 2000s. By um, the likes of Jim Rome, Brian Tracy's, Earl Nightingales, and just I couldn't get enough of this stuff. I've just always been a Seer student of success. And so when Brendan kind of came into my world, offered that community with this success and a lot of his pr- principles just really resonated from a from a very masculine side, obviously. Mm-hmm.
0: So just for the audience, Brendan Burchard is uh, a big um, personal development guy, very big and um, Brandon, who I'm interviewing, versus Brendan. Um, Brandon and I are both certified high performance coaches with Brendan Burchard's coaching method. We use his curriculum. So that's how we know each other. And so you, uh, so you started basically exploring um, personal development and then you also had this sort of spiritual community with the, the concerts, right? yes and then which also involves psychedelics and and for the for people I, so i'm not really very knowledgeable about this but i know that that people are doing microdosing of psychedelics so it's not like taking the psychedelics back in the 50s 60s and 70s where you're just completely like really really out there it's it's microdosing is you're actually still able to function and know what's going on and and now it's in fact it's becoming a therapeutic treatment there's they're doing all kind of um clinical studies for in psychology for like major depression and ptsd and all that kind of stuff it's um it's becoming it's it's not mainstream yet but it's it's on its way to becoming mainstream and so you you were saying that you had benefits from this.
1: Absolutely. No, and, and
0: again, you know, on this show, we're not promoting anything. We're just talking about Brandon's experience.
1: Absolutely. As I say in my line of work, we're we're we're, we're advocates. We don't recommend do your own research um, on all of our information. We have full disclaimers um, of the information, but this is not an, an avenue or recommendation to do any illegal substances whatsoever. For me. got Yeah. You um
0: you're why you're what how it's helping you with your basically getting it sounds like you know dealing with the grief yes
1: let's see here. grief um, and loss yeah the um it's the the list is so long julie i mean mainly uh for me how it you know on during our musical escapades, they were more macrodoses, not microdoses. Um, so it would be full-on uh, hallucinogenic or experiences, really. And those are very can be very therapeutic and healthy in their own right. A microdosing experience, what I've learned personally, in me, it makes the mind visible. I'm mm. able to see where everything is connected and where the small little things I do in action has the effect over here. And so when I can see it, it's one thing for the mind to know It's like, oh, when I do this, this happens. But when you get it on a visceral level, and that's what microdosing really helps me do, to see where my actions are causing the effects and showing up in my life in a, and how it's affecting my life, whether it be positive or negative. I'm of the mindset that there's really no good or bad in the world is how we perceive it. And as soon as we put an attachment or a label to something's good or bad, we're, we're kind of setting ourselves up. Uh, it would allow me to see the patterns in my life that were serving me and allow me to see the patterns in my life that was not serving me, where I could take action. And a big, kind of a big message I, I want so many people to hear is like, So many people take psychedelics for the recreational experience, and there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. But once we combine that with intention setting and integration and taking the aha moments that we have in those situations and really integrating into our life, that's where big change is happening. And also for me, one of the biggest assets that I feel for microdosing psychedelics in general is it helps to suppress and default. It helps to suppress the default mode network, our normal operating system, kind of our automatic pilot, kind of where we're coming from on 95% of the time. It puts that on pause, so that we're able to think creatively. We're able to come up with a different solution. And the science behind it all is it's making new connections, neuro connections in your brain, and they're lasting longer. So it gives us the ability to literally reprogram our brain and so there's many different ways to do that. Um, psychedelics are just a, a very easy, non-toxic self-therapy way for people to do that.
0: And you were saying that this, the sound thing also is, is helping create new neural. Yes. I mean, I mean, you didn't say that, but if it's, if it's having an impact on chronic mm-hmm. PTSD, then it means that it's creating yes. new neural pathways.
1: Yes, ma'am. What I've learned is basically our thought processes and our thought patterns, we keep having the same, you know, automatic negative thoughts. Um, ants our automatic negative thoughts. That's um, just that concept alone with the sound therapy was a game changer for us and our family, really. Because a lot of the thoughts, you know, learning like, I have to, I need to, or I should
0: mm-hmm. all
1: microdoses, negative chemicals, the cortisol and adrenaline in our brain, whenever we use that framework, as opposed to, I want to, I choose to, I would love to,
0: or I get to,
1: or I get to absolutely. So just learning the differences of, of the simplicities of the words we choose. Right. And at the end of the day, Julie, it's, it's learning from The first half of our life as we're carving out our way with our ego and kind of seeing the world through a lens of fear and growing up in what we've been born into and kind of learning and waking up and taking off our glasses, putting them back on, and now it's a lens of love. And then once we start viewing the the world through that lens, now we're microdosing new chemicals into the body, the oxytocin, serotonin, dopamines. That now our cells are being built in a completely different environment, and so part of the process is unlearning. You know, the body keeps score, removing the emotions that got trapped in the body throughout all the grief. You know, pushing the deep, you know, putting a pause on our default mode network so we can reprogram our mind and let our body know that it's safe in these same situations, and that we can reprogram and put the good things in there that's really going to service this this next half of life.
0: I just love that you sort of the wording that you had, that we're we're microdosing different chemicals simply by choosing different thoughts. Now we can't, we can't control our thoughts because our thoughts just sort of come, but when they come, we can change them if we recognize that they are not beneficial. And like I should, I have to, those other things, those are usually like make us feel not very good, versus I get to, I'm choosing to always have uplifting. And, and in fact, by um, thinking different thoughts, we are creating different, different chemical reactions in our body, because when we think scary things, I, I guess cortisol is, is raised, our body like makes this fight or flight chemicals. Yeah, and when we think love stuff, then our body makes different chemicals, and it's anyway. I, I have a I have a chapter in my book that I'm writing, Masters of Change, about mindset and how incredibly important it is to to really pay attention what our thoughts are, and then and then choose different thoughts, you know, to to re to um re not repurpose, but to to make them go in a different direction if in fact they are thoughts that create negative feelings in us
1: absolutely peter pan had it right with think happy thoughts i mean he really did well Um, listen
0: we we need to um wrap it up and so what i like to find out is okay so who were you before your dad and your mom and your sister died who were you in that really dark place where you were just sort of not process you you were sort of checking out, let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. And who are you becoming now? because you said you haven't you're still like going towards this new identity? Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. I really feel like before a lot of the before life showed up, I was more a classic representative of my mom and dad and my grandparents and a little bit of my teachers in high school and a little bit of a mentor and a little bit of a boss. All the experiences and people and the things that were kind of guiding me, but kind of pushed me along the way and taught me along the way. A lot of good fundamental core beliefs that served me in my first half of life. Safety and how to show up in manners and how to treat your your fellow brothers and sisters. I feel like when life showed up and I lost a majority of my family and lost myself, I lost my pride and my ego. There was a knee injury there too. And through Lewis Hayes work, it's associated with pride and ego. As I was transitioning from my Asheville irrigation identity, I'm the irrigation guy for 20 years, with all the upbringings that I had up until that point to being swept off my feet and I I lost my identity even more by numbing out and not moving through the processes of grief and through the processes of responsibility and maturation. It just completely lost and I didn't know who I was and I couldn't, I really couldn't look at myself in the mirror. I couldn't spend the time with the family that I wanted to it was just a it was just an, a really funky time until I had enough and I wasn't happy with the person I was becoming I wasn't happy with my work I wasn't happy with me I wasn't happy with the relationships that I had and I knew that something had to change and we know that nothing we were not able to change the things external of us so thanks by the grace of God, or universe, or something that had that coping mechanism that said, I've had enough, and I really want something better for myself and my family, and it was just something, I, it was a rock bottom, and I mean, there's you know, going through detoxes and different things, you know, solo, I mean, there's different, I mean, it's just, I it was just cringing at your soul, you just, you've had enough, and it was just that, that enoughness, and not settling, and, and having higher aspirations for myself and family, that wanted to, to kind of change. And, you know, a big part of our messaging these days is our habits determine the quality of our life. And I oh, was yeah. not happy with the quality of my life. So I knew I had to change my habits. And that's what was very, very attractive with the high performance habits um, as well. And so when I spent more time putting my time and attention towards the habits that mattered most, my needle, life started the needle movers. Yeah. The, the life started tur- turning around automatically. And it's just, it seemed as if it not happened overnight, but I was Slowly becoming, even though it wasn't the way that I thought I wanted to, I was learning and picking up all the lessons along the way by putting my efforts and energy towards the habits that mattered most.
0: And, and so you discovered those through your through, reading and finding personal development.
1: Yep. And becoming a coach, you know, being coached, it was 20, 24 sessions of high performance coaching that really. Oh, with, kicked-
0: Brent, with Brendan's coaching.
1: Yep with um it was, with Charlie Cardwell Caldwell, and okay. uh it, it really opened up a Pandora's box I mean it was see all that happened at the same time Julie so it's like the coaching the spiritual you know the spiritual awakening the burnout I mean just all that kind of came to a head so it was really the probably Charlie Cardwell and those 24 sessions that really really expanded my box in in several different ways to to learn how to take new healthy habits, and to take time for myself, and to love myself first. It was through those coaching sessions that I learned all that.
0: All right, so let me ask you then, were you already in the high-performance coaching, certified high-performance coaching, this is the Brennan Burchard coaching that you and I do, were you already in those sessions with your coach when you woke up that day and needed to change, or did you wake up that day and need to change and then find the high performance coaching?
1: Yep, woke up that day, wanted to change my life. Said I need a coach. Reached out. I really enjoyed Brendan's stuff. Talked to um, Damon and his team, and they put me uh, in touch with Charlie. And that's that was a big catalyst. It really was. Big. Huge, okay. Huge. Huge.
0: <laughs> wow. So this is, God, that just gives me the chills because when a person is ready to change and then you find a really valuable program or person or system that actually, you know, has, I mean, this coaching that we do is actually academically validated to, to, to help people change. Yeah. Um, There's, there's all kinds of coaching out there and and some are, you know, better than others, but it is academically proven that the, the six needle movers that Brendan identifies, which is clarity, courage, energy, productivity, influence, and necessity. Um, And so that's what's in our coaching curriculum. So you, you, you hit this rock bottom. Without even like knowing it, you like just woke up and it's like today. Today I'm doing something different, and then you had a place to reach out and find it, and then you got the this high level help, and you have just been so 24 months. Oh no, 24 sessions.
1: Yes. Yep. Okay,
0: so two rounds because they they come in 12 12 um, session rounds. And that just really pulled you out, huh? It and really so that-
1: did. It, it, was, it was actually a, a fantastic offer. So it was it was those 24 sessions, one-on-one, but also in, in part of it, we were able to get two different groups per week. And so it's just invaluable lessons with, and learning from other people and, and multiple coaches too. Um, but it, it was just an amazing package that all bundled in with the curriculum and framework that you're talking about that really moved the needle.
0: Now let me ask you one thing though.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: How did that because coaching is not psychotherapy? And you had all this like unresolved grief. So how did you how psychedelics.
1: did
0: you oh, start to cut you off psychedelics, helped with psychedelics. That. and that's okay. why
1: this new direction for me and my company right now is a is a perfect blend of the high performance institute and the microdosing institute. And you blend those together and it's like self-therapy with coaching and just, we're doing several uh, clinical research, beta testing, and just the, the results are astounding. The people on the microdosing protocols, their, their love for themselves and life happiness is leaps and bounds for the people that are not, and not recommending it one way or the other, but just seeing that as, as research, we do before and afters, and it's, it's night and day difference, and would have to say it's the therapeutic value of the medicinal plants that, that's doing that.
0: Okay, so we got to cut it off, so why don't you tell us who you are and what you do, sort of the, the regular kind of introduction that, that I don't do on my shows, I do it at the end, so, um, and how can people reach you?
1: Well, the website is zenkaisuccess.com, dot com. You can find out more about me there. Also on Instagram, at success become a microdosing mentor so for anybody that has questions about protocols or if they have interest in in microdosing um, but that's uh you know our company is Zenkai the good change love yourself be happy serve greatly Um, and what we're learning is having some of the most value is helping people discover their own truths by connecting to soil nature getting back out to nature connecting to soil connecting to self and connecting to source, and a lot of times once that's done naturally, a lot of a lot of the issues and challenges it that are showing up just naturally dissolve. resolve. Themselves. Yeah, yes,
0: wow. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And do you have any last words you want to? Any takeaways?
1: You know, you have all the answers. You know, we all we have all the answers inside of us. We really do. And throughout life and on our individual journeys, it takes people along the way to kind of reflect back their stories and their challenges um, to help us figure out who we are and how we fit okay. in this whole puzzle. Um, but I, I see so many people in coaching and in the line of work that we do that are looking for answers out there and looking for saviors out there and not really turning the lens back on themselves and loving themselves and searching and doing the inner work. I'm learning that coaching, another you know, a hundred sessions are not going to move the needle for some people, but doing a little bit of inner work and just getting in touch with yourself. I view spirituality as just discovering yourself many times and just figuring out who you really are, and you have all the answers inside of you.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you, Brandon.
1: Thank you, Julie. This has been a pleasure. I really appreciate you reflecting back to me and helping me. You know, kind of pull this information out. Thank you.
0: Well, what, what surprise or what? what insight did you get?
1: You know, uh, probably the, it's so easy for the ego to kind of look at the negatives that showed up in your life and discounting a lot of the, you know, not giving a whole lot of weight to my mom where she was, you know, it's the, it's, it's the absence of that, that what provided the most at this, at this stage of the game. And And giving more credit, you know, seeing our parents, because a lot lot of the work that I do, people have issues with their identity, and they're having issues right now with their parents and their own generation. And just knowing that what helped me was to kind of see my own parents as inner childs too, that are unhealed themselves. And so Mm -hmm. a lot of that stuff was passed on or not passed on. Mm -hmm. And so just helping to understand our inner child and our shadow work and how it relates back. And then, so what you really pulled out to me was able to give my dad even more kudos and the strength that he did pass on. Because um, a lot of times, you know, kind of the body remembers the drunken moments and the bad yeah, times. The pain. Yeah. It, 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 yeah. And so the more that I can view through the lens of the future and through an, un, you know, with, a, with the healing of the past versus looking and being caught up in the past, it's, it's healing in and in of itself.
0: Good. Well, I'm so glad we, we had this conversation and and you had a shift there.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Julie. Appreciate you.
0: Well, you're welcome. And that's, that'll be $50, please. <laughs>
1: you got it. You accept um, crystals.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, this has been Julie Brown and On Bold Becoming. Hey there. The value that you got from this today, take it into your heart. Add value to it in your own life by putting it into practice and growing it to be part of your life, your daily habits, the takeaways that you got from this. Words and thoughts only take us so far. It's implementing on those words and thoughts that will change your life. Ideas are just ideas. Taking action on ideas is where growth happens and freedom emerges from growth freedom from our past invisible binding. We're here to grow and release ourselves from our past constraints. With awareness, intention, and through taking action on new choices, we evolve. In this process, we exalt our pain and suffering into wisdom that empowers us. We all have the ability to transform and become that person we yearn to be. If today's episode added value to your life, please share it with others, and make sure to subscribe to Bold Becoming Identity Retooled. And if you might, take a minute right now and leave a review so that others can find out about this podcast. If you'd like to contact me for one-on-one coaching, or to get on the wait list for my Tough Stories workshop, send me an email, and we'll be in touch. Be sure to check out our free Facebook group of Bold Becomers, the links in the show notes.